0: All right, welcome to the Suns Solar Panel. You are listening to a special edition of the Solar Panel uh, uh, Phoenix Suns podcast with Dave King as your only main host. Uh, Tim and Greg are off doing work stuff. And I've got as a special guest today, Amin Al-Hassan. Amin used to work for the Suns, and that's his connection because he lives in Phoenix and he still occasionally goes to Suns games. And he's he's a good guy. I've talked to him for many years now. And he now works for ESPN, as many of you know. He's, he's on shows like The Jump um, on ESPN. And he does a regular, uh, this Black Opinions Matter podcast that I, that I listen to on the regular as well. Um, and I'm sure a ton of other podcasts and appearances every week. Uh, you see Amin all over the place, plus on social media as well. Um, Amin, thank you for coming on today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's always good to hear from you. I I, I can't wait to delve into your thoughts on the bubble because I want to talk about the NBA bubble a little bit and your take on it and and how things are going to go in Orlando. Whether you think there's going to be any asterisks on this season, like do you think any whatever happens, is it going to be like, I mean, 99 was kind of a semi asterisk season, but people kind of forget now. 2005, I don't know if people think of that as an, or was it 2012.
1: 11, I'm sorry. 2000, 11, yeah, 11, th- that's 11 it. was the, the lockout that's 12, 12, I, don't was, know. I guess the season.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know where I was thinking 2005, but yeah, there,
1: the 11- there was a, there was a CBA, uh, negotiation in 2005 too. So no, no, feel too bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, those don't really have asterisks anymore.
0: I mean, there are champs in those years that aren't held. It's not held against them, but I'm curious what you think on that. And then, whether you think any new um, super teams are going to be hatched as they're all doing their own little banana boats around Disney World in, in the next few months together with the players there with nobody but themselves. So there's a lot to unpack. Um, I also want to get into uh, much more actually important things than basketball. I want to talk a little bit about Black Lives Matter, um, about what's going on with the protests. Uh, this is the biggest movement I think we've had in either of our lifetimes. For sure. Um, And so we want to get into that as well. Uh, But the first thing I want to do today is, uh, I guess, wish you well on what is a holiday. We are recording this on Juneteenth Um, and it's not yet a national holiday, but a lot of a lot of people around the the country are recognizing this as a holiday. And I got to tell you, I was not taught this in school. I was not taught about Juneteenth as a thing in school, and I only came upon it in the last few years just randomly.
1: Um, what, what does Juneteenth
0: mean to you, I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it It signifies exactly what you just said, like how woefully undereducated we are as a country, uh, at least in elementary school and, and middle school, high school levels, of our nation's history, right? We We gloss over... So many things, right? So for the listeners that don't know what Juneteenth is, Juneteenth is not the celebration of the end of slavery, right? Juneteenth is because the Civil War happened, the Emancipation Proclamation happened in the middle of the Civil War, but obviously the southern states were like, we don't care, we're going to make our own country, right? So then the Civil War ends, right? And quote unquote, the slaves are free, but because it's a big country, you can't, Enforce a rule That you just set right so they well, were plus part... we didn't have Social media <laughs> right Right so that there are parts of the Or well, even if there was social media I don't know what What, what recourse those slaves could have Done in, in parts of Texas Where they literally had not heard news Of hey you guys Are free even if they said hey you guys are free The man with the gun on the horse over there says otherwise. So I'm I'm inclined not to believe everything I hear on social media or whatever. So they literally had to have like the U.S. Army march from state to state and basically ensure that door to door, all these people were free. And that Texas was kind of one of the last strongholds of this. And that's what Juneteenth uh, commemorates. It commemorates it the anniversary of the last of the people who were being held as slaves to be finally release and be free so it's an actual freedom day um even though uh
0: the freedom was actually given two and a half years earlier yeah yeah i mean but
1: it's but it's insane it's like there's a lot of things uh in this nation's history that are either never talked about or willfully kind of swept under the rug Mm -hmm. Uh, i just found this out i was watching uh A a PBS documentary the other day about Reconstruction, which was a time after slavery ended where they were trying to like, all right, give these people who have never had any rights some some semblance of how to get on your feet or whatever. And um, one of the things was the um, uh, schools in the South were being lobbied by these special interest groups to have history books that don't talk about slavery as the main reason why the civil war happened. Instead they say, I want to talk about right. s- states' rights and all these things. So all those things that you hear now when you t- tell people, yo, that Confederate flag is clearly racist. Why why do you still have it like, Oh, it wasn't about that. It was about states' rights. Like that all started from because the, of the people teachings. Yeah, the teachings and the reason why that happened was because the people who had just gotten their ass whooped in a, in a civil war did not want that on the books they wanted it to be something else about something else and those people grew up that and they wrote uh, they uh, they had children and those children grew up in the civil rights era and you know uh you know basically grew up to be the people who opposed the civil rights eras in the 60s and then they had children and those children are the people who in you know 80s 90s and 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 in the 21st century have been kind of anti everything that would be inclusive and and racial equality and so it's it it all starts from somewhere it's like, people don't wake up racist if right no they're you, taught that way yeah you're you're taught that way and, and part of the reason why they're taught that way is because we don't teach about the real stuff that happens so you know that's that's kind of one of the things that you know i, I find really interesting is man like how many things in this nation's history that we just don't talk about in school at least not until you get to college And then you have to be looking for it by taking a certain kind of class. And you have to be looking
0: for it. That's the thing. So,
1: yeah. Now, I was lucky enough to,
0: well, I don't know about lucky, but I happened to grow up in the Northeast. So I actually did. That was included. Um, You know, talks about slavery and all that were included in the the textbooks. But it still wasn't included enough. Like, how is it that I know more about Mesopotamia than I do about the civil rights issues? And I grew up in, in the 70s and 80s.
1: In school when it was current <laughs> right right and, and and i think that that's the thing that you have to keep in mind is it's not that learning about mesopotamia isn't important you know it, it has its place in history but if we're going to play the right. game of hey man uh, it's a limited guest list of topics in history class Slavery and the impact of slavery absolutely has to be right. on the guess- on the VIP list, right this right. way. Like even if we're over capacity, the fire marshal's kicking somebody else out. Like that that can't be the one that gets swept under the rug, you know. Right. I, like there's certain things I think when you talk about slavery, when you talk about the Holocaust, um, you know, th- obviously you know the, the Revolutionary War, uh, there. There are certain things that we, as a country, that's got to be required learning. You can't, you can't get a high school degree and not be educated about these things, because this is the history of our country. So the 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 things
0: we're seeing in the last few weeks are bigger and more inclusive and more more widespread, I guess, than anything I've seen in my lifetime. I I know we had um, we've had protests before. We've had uh, streets covered. With protesters, peaceful and uh, not so peaceful. We've had the police fighting back for years and all that, but this seems different. And people like me are getting a lot more involved, uh, a white man, are getting a lot more involved in actually admitting and recognizing these things than we ever had before. But I wonder from a black person's point of view, do you think this has a lasting effect or do you think this is a Kind of, I know yet another one of those where we're going to sweep it under the rug as soon as we can.
1: I, I mean, I can't lie, man. Like being in this position, you have to have a certain level of kind of cynicism about yeah. everything. Because, you know, I mean, I, I, there's a, a Dr. King quote that I read the other day where he says later is for the for the American Negro basically code for never. Right. It's like yeah. it's never it's never now. It's always later. And so when you get used to hearing that, you kind of feel like, okay, like, I don't have a whole lot of confidence. Now, I think, uh, first of all, we have to acknowledge the differences that 50, all 50 states had protests about this. That's the first time in the history of this country that all 50 states had protests about the same topic, Mm -hmm. the same thing. Uh, And I think more importantly, you know, Dave, you and I are of an age that, it was close enough when we were growing up the the vietnam war and the country's feelings about the vietnam war and the country was i would say anywhere from pro war to kind of apathetic like i don't know it's all over there and we, you know someone got shipped out or whatever and then we started getting images Real images. Real images, right, of children being shot in the face and and a guy shot in the head in the middle of the street execution style and a a young girl, probably 10 or 11 years old, running down the street naked and people burnt by napalm and and the American public was like, holy shit, that's that's what we're doing? It's not just like... Like like it is in the cartoons and the movies. It's like Mm -hmm. actual horrors of war being shown on TV and that changed not overnight, but it changed significantly the country's sentiment and appetite for this thing that they for thought forever right. that they, they supported, right? Fight communism, we gotta fight for freedom and democracy. Like People believe that until they say, oh, that's what it looks like? I don't know about that, right? In the same way, what we've seen over the last few weeks here is people being, uh, peaceful protesters being harassed and physically abused and shot at by rubber bullets in the face and tear gassed in the face and maced in the face. And these protesters are of every single color. Mm -hmm. I think it's hitting home to people in the way that it may not have hit home in Ferguson or Eric Garner, Trayvon, all those things apparently didn't connect with white America in a way that this is connected. And that's my hope that we might see some change out of this. You're
0: right. I don't. I think this is much bigger than any of those uh, those prior ones, uh, for sure. At least from my point of view, and I think um, I know from my point of view and from the the white people's side point of view, this is much bigger than any of those were. Those were interesting to see, interesting to watch. This is like, oh my God, we have to be a part of this. Now, I have a question for you. Um, is there uh, Okay, I think a lot of these—the continuation of these protests, the fact that this didn't get swept under the rug—and it's potentially creating a generational change in how we look at you know equality and justice and and certainly police brutality. Um, oh, some of that is because so many people are available to protest all day long because of mm-hmm. the coronavirus and the all the layoffs and. Um, while it is true that black people are disproportionately being out of work over over white people, um, it's everybody. There's 45 million people out of work right now, and available for these for these protests and for these demonstrations. I think that those two things are together. Plus, with all the sports being canceled, there's almost nothing else for people to cover on television too. So I really think because of this pandemic, we have we have this unique opportunity in our history. to focus on something that we really should focus on instead of distracting ourselves with
1: the next score on on the basketball game it certainly is a perfect storm of all the right things right people having availability of time whether they're unemployed or furloughed or whatever right uh the the uh, frustrations of being you know in Indoors, basically, over three months, there's there's a level of this where people just want to vent, and this this happens to be the topic they're going to vent on. Um, the idea that um, that uh, uh, you know all of these things are being televised, I think that that also helps. The, the lack of of distractions. There are no mo- movies. there are not not many new movies coming out, right? There are there mm-hmm. there are no sports, right? There are right. no distractions. All those things, I think. Uh, are are compiling in, you know, to give people opportunity and desire to be out and and have their their thoughts heard.
0: Yeah, I think, and, and this is great. We need to take advantage of it, not just point out that well, we have nothing better to do. I think we just we uh, it's good that this pandemic isn't disappearing like some thought it might, um, and that it's it's allowing us to continue to focus on this until change actually happens. Before it can be reversed or or just ignored.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, again, I think, you know, when I talk to people about what how this can be different, the thing I start with is always um, involvement in local election. Right. Yes. We have a problem in this country that people think of elections as voting for the president. Right. That's it. And then nothing else matters. All that matters is every four years I find my way to a ballot and I, and I push the red button or the blue button and that's it. And the reality is um, most of the stuff that happens to you on a daily day on a day-to-day basis is governed by local politics. Like by, by in many municipalities, I don't believe Phoenix is one of these, but the, the, uh, the, well, the sheriff is an elected official. The uh, district attorney is an elected official, right? Um, All of these local officials you know, when you hear about police brutality, about, uh, you know, I saw a video from uh, about a month or so ago about a cop in Mesa who is yelling at a dude who's on the floor and, and he's talking about, like, if you move, I'm going to shoot you. And then he just shot the dude. It's it just it's a horrifying video Then you say, OK, well, what are the repercussions to people like that? Well, if yeah, you sheriff, the legal legal exactly. behind it. You, yeah. you have you have to put pressure on your sheriff, your county sheriff, on your police chiefs to also hold the judges too. the judges, the judges, the mm-hmm. district attorney for filing charges and te- treat- treating it seriously as opposed to doing the like half ass thing where, oh, we charge them. But then it didn't get to a grand jury like there's a lot of things, a lot of people who are voted in who have control over how seriously we take these issues. Uh, that's how you hold your local politics accountable and then when we get to the national level we get to the national level but it's important i think for everybody to be involved on a local level uh, it's got to
0: be ground up absolutely yeah. I, I mentioned that on last week's solar panel as well all right let's uh let's get to uh the more frivolous parts of this that that actually people are are wanting to hear about is i want to hear your takes on orlando in general so uh 22 teams going to orlando they're going to be small uh team part uh groups but still 35 people per team or something like that and so it's still about a thousand people that are going to be around there um in orlando in this quote-unquote bubble that all the disney employees can come and go from um how do you think that's going to go overall do you think that can be
1: successful in the bubble that they're creating well i mean it's certainly they have their work cut out for them i think uh when you talk about you know bringing people in you have to remember and i think this is something that's gotten a lot more attention recently but way 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 back at the beginning of this thing the first time they said the concept of a bubble i said it's not just the players and the coaches and the staff and the nba people who have to be there and the scorekeepers and all that other stuff but also you're talking about housekeepers groundskeepers uh catering like what are all those people? Are they going to be in the bubble, right? Beyond, before we even get to family members and all that stuff, are those people going to be in the bubble? And we've had our answer. They're not. They're going to be free they're to not. come and go, right? And so are they going to be subjected to the same levels of rigorous testing that the players and the people inside the bubble are? So far, they're not. They're going to be right. tested, but not as rigorously and as frequently as the players and the staffers who are in the bubble. All right, well, where do they live? They live in a um, <laughs> county that's one of the hardest hit in the country right now, right? It, yeah, they're it, they in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. They're setting yes. single day highs. We we are we day. are setting records every day, right? So records. Yeah. When you do all 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 that math, you say, man, that's <laughs> it. Doesn't sound likely that we're gonna get out of this without someone testing positive now. I've heard a lot of people say, what's the worst-case scenario? And they say, worst-case scenario is LeBron or or Giannis gets it, and we get like a weird, oh, they wouldn't have won the championship if so-and-so hadn't gotten sick. The Thunder win the championship. The only one's not hit. Yeah. I I said, that's not the worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is someone gets sick, and then they go and they infect someone else who's not an NBA player, like a family member, like an employee, a, a park employee, someone like that, and then they pass away. And then we have everybody who's got the pom poms now for Hooray Basketball. They turn into the <clears> finger pointers. Yep. You just killed somebody. Carl Anthony Towns already lost his mom. Yeah, yeah, and his dad was sick too. By the way, no one's his dad was his in better the They were
0: in the. They were next to each other. Yeah, yeah. the dad
1: just recovered. Recovered. So, yeah. It, it, um,
0: okay, so let's yeah. let's set this. Let's okay. Worst. Uh, this is obviously pretty much a bad idea there. But let's pretend the pandemic doesn't hit anybody. Let's just talk about the actual schedule itself. You've got about um, three weeks of a training camp, basically, where you can have um, a handful of scrimmages or three scrimmages right the week before you go live in real games. Then we have an eight-game regular season, then the playoffs. That game one is more important all by itself than any of the first 65 games that any of these players have played. And every game counts after that. What do you see as and there's only a three week ramp up from basically sitting at home like the rest of us on our couches with some exceptions, but still not that many exceptions. What do you see about the injuries happening here? Do you think, you think guys, cause they're the best athletes in the world, they'll be fine. Or, or what's your worry on injuries?
1: It's it's a concern. It's, it's absolutely a concern. And, and it'd be interesting to listen to what the strength trainers and the head athletic trainers have devised, but because, they've got to create craft a plan that takes into account these guys may not be in the best of shape as as opposed to what they usually are when they report to training camp or something like that then beyond that we've got to take a look well i guess before you even start that you got to take a look, what condition are we in right now so uh, you know i know this from working with Aaron Nelson uh and those guys uh who are now obviously in New Orleans uh and i guess Cowboys in Utah but are the former uh strength sure. and athletic training staff for the Suns. Um when you go in there for the first time, let's say you're a player that just got acquired. They do a battery of tests, just checking your range of motion. Just touch this. Uh lean back and do this. Da 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 and they've got the little angle thing that's like a protractor but not really, and they measure everything. And they have those baselines and then they can say, "All right, this isn't good enough. You need to get better at this. They start to crap the corrective exercise around that. I would imagine that every training staff has something like that, where they already have the baselines of these players that they had from when they last saw them in the season or sometime like that. And now we can do measurements when they start reporting in and see how far you've regressed. And now we know what corrective exercises to work on so that, we're not putting you in a, a situation. So it be you're a custom workout for each player. Yeah, because yeah. everyone's going to be in a different, a different physical state, I believe.
0: Right. Okay, um, the, so do you agree that these are the most important games for at least the lower end teams, the ones trying to find seating? Or do you think they're just going to treat this as like a warm-up?
1: I think at, between the three uh, scrimmages and eight games that actually quote-unquote matter, I think It starts as a warm-up and then progressively gets uh, more and more important, um, depending on who you are, right? I think the Washington Wizards are here for a good time, not a long time, right? The Phoenix Suns are probably (laughs) going to be here for a good time, not a long time, right? Uh, The the, the Spurs, it would seem that they have self-eliminated, right, with LaMarcus Aldridge out and basically not going to be available. So really, we're talking about the Kings— the Pelicans, the uh, Blazers and the Grizzlies. Those are the four teams. where, like, this is life or death. We've got to go. Hard. And the Grizzlies and
0: then, just have to not collapse.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, they have three and a half game lead with eight to go. Yeah. And then I, you should say also in the, in the East Orlando and Brooklyn, that flip flop is very important because the difference between playing the bucks and playing, not the bucks.
0: Right, right, right. So, um, Let's let's talk about the Suns just a little bit. I know they just had, um, let it out that Kelly Oubre is not going to play, but until then, or maybe even including that, Monty Williams has been preaching all year that every game matters and they should treat every game as an important building block for the future, whether um, they can make a huge difference or not as a result of that game. Do you feel like um, the Suns, like you said, they're here for a good time, not a long time, but... I actually see these, at least the first three of these eight games, as some of the most important games of Devin Booker's career in five
1: years. What do you think of that? I think, I think it's, it's a little bit like Summer League in the sense that you go to Summer League uh, and if it's a new team or a new coach, particularly if he's never coached before, um, he takes control of the team. He coaches the team at Summer League and... If they've got hot shot young studs on the team, those first couple of games, Dave, you know that you've been there. That's usually when they're. If I'm going to go watch our hot prospect, whether he's a rookie or he played last year and this is the start of his second year, your best bet of seeing him in action is going to be in the first couple of games, because after that they shut it down and then that's the rest. That's that's it, folks. And so I think you know, obviously Monty's not a first-time coach, and it's not one or two hot shot prospects. It's the entire roster. But I think those first few games are an opportunity for the Suns to go through healthy with an entire, uh, quote unquote, camp under their belt and three scrimmages under their belt to go out and apply what they've learned and further deepen the relationship between the playbook, the coach and the star players, which, you know, if you look at any successful team, all three of those things have to be on the same page uh, before you can talk about, you know, any sort of success. So I think that's an opportunity to take those seriously. It's not about going 100 miles an hour and then you know, tearing something for a meaningless game. It's just about how can we continue the growth that we started earlier in this year that was derailed by any number of things? How can we get it back on track so that when we come back for twenty 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 one, 2021, it's a continuation of a story, not a beginning from from page one? Are you going to be in Orlando for this? Uh I, I don't know. I, the I don't know. It's, the NBA has to determine how many slots they're going to have. Um, what For media, uh, I, I'm sure it's going to be by outlet as it is for like All-Star Weekend or, or for, uh, right. for the finals. And then once it goes to outlets, then depending on what that number is, is that going to be just enough for us to have our broadcast crews there? Are we going to have some of the quote-unquote talk shows there? Are there going to be reports? only reporters for instance you know you know people like brian Winhurst and and mark stein and stuff like that so there's right. there's a lot of i mean the players don't even know the I, just, I had just learned the whole kind of logistics in the last couple of days i think we've got a ways to go before we realize uh what the media presence is going to be like there
0: uh would you go if invited
1: i don't know i don't know uh, I i thought about it and i've decided that worrying about this and for it to not even have been presented is not the way to go. Uh, sure. I believe if it's presented, then I'll sit down and I'll talk with my family and we'll figure something out. Cause also a lot of it depends on like, what are we talking about? Go, you're talking about go for the finals. So that's like oh, 10 days.
0: That's or very different. <laughs> or like they're
1: different from, we want you to go for the whole thing. Right. That might be a little much. <laughs> so let's, right. Right. So let's assume
0: you, if you go at all, it'd be when there's a lot fewer teams left, not 22 teams. So you're watching at home like the rest of us. Um, Are you excited for the three or four games in a single day kind of constant action like summer league? Or do you think that's just going to be just um, just not as exciting as it sounds? I mean, to me, it sounds like, Oh my God, I'm just going to call out vacation, you know, and just sit home and watch games.
1: Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it's, Being honest, I mean, because the setting makes it feel different, but it's not that different from a regular NBA day. Right. Like you start for us here in Phoenix right this time well, this time of year it will be a 4 p.m. start and you might have anything up to like eight games going at 4 or 430 for us. And then you get the final. Yeah, but they only have three courts. Right. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like the idea of multiple games happening at the same time is not a foreign or new concept. It's not even a summer league concept.
0: Well, no, we I'm excited it... actually. Of, uh, I'm sorry, maybe I'm misunderstanding, yeah. but I was thinking they would have like games all day, but only a couple at a time, or only three. At a... So they you'd have a one o'clock start, a four o'clock oh. start, and a seven o'clock start, or
1: something like. that. Oh, okay. So it's like it's like a Saturday, pl- a playoff Saturday. They do that on the yeah, board, right? like you start like with the noon Saturday. game, and then and then there we go. Like the, the first game is always on ESPN, and then the two middle games are on ABC because those <laughs> yeah. are big games, and then the last game that starts at seven thirty Pacific on is TNT ES- or something. And it's always like the Blazers. The Blazers are always at seven thirty yeah. <laughs> nighttime game. Yeah, I mean it, it's you know, it, it'll be fun, it'll be interesting, but at the same time, like it it won't be a foreign feeling, I guess. It, it, it's That's something true. that I've seen before.
0: That's true.
1: Um, so, <clears throat>
0: excuse me. Um, players are going to be stuck in this bubble. For at least the first month or, I don't know, 45 days, something like that, it's going to be players only and they're in the teams and stuff. And there's three hotels and they're not that far apart from each other and they're all inside the bubble. First of all, do you think the players are just going to go nuts being stuck inside a bubble and not being able to leave? And second of all, how many new long-term friendships do you think are going to be formed here that turn into super teams down the road?
1: Yeah, I, I think absolutely they're gonna go crazy. Everyone's gonna go crazy. You're being asked to stay somewhere, um, you know, without being the freedom to move, without the freedom to associate with different people, because basically you're gonna see the same people every day. And uh, hey, I'll be the one who says it. Without. Uh, the distractions that regular NBA life usually provides in, and plentifully. Right. Like now it's like, Nope, none of those are around. You gotta just have to pick up a hobby or really, really <laughs> like playing dominoes and video games all day long, which is, which is different. Right. And that's not just, you know, that goes for everybody from, the single guys to the guys who are married and they're not going to see their spouses for a while to the guys who are everything in between. Right. Like what are are
0: the chances (laughs) that these 24 hour VIP concierges are going to include some kind of unexpected visitors?
1: I don't think anyone gets in without rigorous testing. except Or do they just make the concierges the, the visitors? (laughs) That's that's the, uh, Dave, these are things I'm not saying out loud, but in my mind I'm thinking like, okay, who are going to be the collateral damage yeah. of, of all of this? Not not unwillingly, mind you, but just because, hey, you're here, I'm here. How about that? <laughs> right uh that's gonna be it's gonna be
0: wild it's gonna be wild hearing stories i really hope there's some journaling gonna be going on that'll be released or you know they should have espn just have these like secret cameras all over the place <laughs> like like the the last dance yeah there should well, be camera I mean, cruise, not, secret, not secret but in, yeah. the, in the open but camera crews
1: yeah you know what but what's funny the other thing you say i think is a lot more interesting which is how many Relationships are going to be forged that are going to turn into something. So, we know that, for instance, yeah. the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and uh, DeAndre Jordan, that friendship was made during the Olympics, yeah. right? 2016 in Rio, was it? Uh, uh,
0: was 16 Rio?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Rio. Yeah, 12 was, was uh, London. So, 2016 in Rio, you're hanging out, you're together all the time in hotels, there's not a whole lot of distractions. You start to come up with these ideas. Same thing with, uh, you know, obviously the big three, that first seeds were planted in 2008, right. In, in Beijing. Yep. Right. So now instead of having 12 to 15 guys going through a secluded extended experience together, now you're talking about, as we said, like several hundred, um, <laughs> All in the same place for much longer than any olympic experience with much less access than any olympic experience
0: with no going out yeah exactly a lot less access because they're they're not going anywhere they're literally just around each other constantly it's like summer camp
1: oh it's but summer camp on on super steroids right like because it's much you're older right you know what options are available to you in life right. that have been taken away. And then, B, it's much longer than summer camp for, mo- for a good portion of them. Obviously, there's some people, as I said, good time, not a long time, but for a good deal of them, it is a good is going time, not a, a long time. It's still a long 45 time. 45 days, yeah, 60
0: days time. almost, you know? So that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I'm going to ask you and I'm going to set you up here and you, know, I want you to be totally honest. What is more likely to happen? That Devin Booker lures, like he creates uh, super friends, new ones, because obviously Kat and d won't be there. But super friends that he lures to Phoenix or that he gets lured away from Phoenix to join seven mm. years down the road, five years down the road.
1: H- historical context tells us that it's much more likely that he's going to get lured, right? Because the idea yeah. is that whenever there's luring that happens, there's one fundamental base layer right is that the organization that does the luring has some element of foundational success not saying that they have to win championships or whatever but at least it looks like they know what they're doing
0: the first 40 years of their existence
1: well but we're not talking about that (laughs) right (laughs) because jerry colangelo is not walking through that door right and neither is steve (laughs) kirk david griffin um no i'm talking obviously like if you look at brooklyn Say, okay, they got those guys. Well, because those guys were just going to go and they just wanted to be together. Well, well, no, there were two choices in that city. One with at least a yep. marginally recent history of getting things right. We scout right, we play hard, we, we, our books are fixed, you know, we're, we're, we're doing things the right way, right? And the other where it's just a bleep show and they predictably didn't choose a bleep show no. and they went with the other one, so...
0: Yeah, but let's look at it this way. And this is only hopeful thinking, all right? So, obviously, I have to be a homer, all right? Hopeful thinking. The Nets' success, quote-unquote, was only two or three years in.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: even one or two years in. Before, about, I mean, yeah. two years prior. Two or two or three. They never yeah. would have considered yeah. the Nets. So, yes. you just see competence for the couple of years until Devin Booker and and these guys are, you know, like – summer of 21 really if right. the suns are really going to focus on something coherently and let's just pretend they can okay let's just pretend they can and they focus on summer 21 coherently when there's a lot of people i'm not talking about Giannis, but i am talking about something better than this off season coming up if they're com- competent for the next 18 months or whatever it is actually it's only 12 now is there a chance at that point or a year after that right. that um this past 10 years can be forgotten a little bit like the nets prior 10 years had has been
1: well i mean i i think again you got to go back to so i i just you know sean marks got the job july 1st 2000 uh and where is it or not i'm sorry not july well I'm, i'm tripping um he got the job in february of 2016 right 2016 right right and within two and a half years basically uh, they they got it turned around they got it turned around
0: well they got it turned around to the point where
1: they were a 70 you know 16 well, but but that's but but, but that's yeah. turned around like like for the first year uh you know you go out you hire Kenny Atkinson uh they go out there and they're not winning but everyone who plays Brooklyn knows ah oh, like they're they're playing smart and they're playing hard just is a talent thing on the talent and they didn't have picks right so and they're doing all these deals to make up for the fact that they don't have picks, right? So acquiring picks and, and acquiring talent whatever. And they get to a point last year where it's like, we have an all-star. We arguably had three players a year ago, Brooklyn, had three players who at any one point you could have said that would have been their all-star. Russell was the one who ultimately got it, but Dinwiddie had a very strong case for being an all-star last year. And Karis Lavert was actually their best player before he got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So – they're clearly trending in a positive direction, right? Playoffs have been made. You know, uh, team is competitive, et cetera, et cetera. And they're making decisions. And most importantly, their ownership. Most people can't pick Josiah out of a lineup, right? Like they're, they're out of True. the way. So, there's, Leonard, so, so
0: you don't have the continuing shit right. show of the owner because Prokhorov left.
1: Right. So I say all that to say that could this be an opportunity? Sure. But, understanding <laughs> that the suns start don't start from like we're already on this path they're they're starting from zero uh, um, starting
0: from
1: yeah, zero. you know they'll get i i I do
0: think and and you know this better than I do so i'm I'm sure I'm wrong, but I do get the feeling that if next year is somehow a along this same path, the same exact building path where they get complimentary Parts to enhance and DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker, Mm -hmm. they grow and they continue to get better. And so that if next year is a better version of this year and next year, along that same path, it becomes a two year trend and they get 40 some wins next year. Yeah. You don't think they're in about the same spot as the nets were.
1: Okay. They, you know, the nets made the playoffs. I know it's the East and all that, but yes, if they have a strong, solid, relatively uneventful in the sense of there's no firing of anybody no i know that's right? a lot to ask that and that's, that's, that's what i'm saying it's like because <laughs> chances are it might it might they might be a playoff team next year but chances are they're not right just because the, just looking at the western picture right the, looking at the uh two of the three teams that are ahead of them but not in the playoff picture right now which is portland and uh sure. or three three of the four teams here portland sacramento and New Orleans. They're all going to be tough next year, right? It's not like this is their one last hurrah. San Antonio you could say, okay, it's a little bit of a last hurrah. But like those other three teams, they're going to be in this playoff conversation for years to come, along with Memphis who's only going to get better, along with Dallas who's only going to get better, along with uh, you know, so so if you're even the most ardent Suns fan, you can say, hey, we can get better next year and probably still not be a playoff team. Not because we're trash, but because that's the playoffs in the west like we're but I'm, I'm a
0: firm believer that if you're a good solid solid team like good team mm-hmm. you can make the playoffs no matter what you know, the thunder are proving it and i'm not saying the suns are the thunder all i'm saying is unexpected teams can do it yeah. because they're just
1: better they're just but, good but and they win absolutely games. absolutely but but the, you also see my point which is nobody can sit here and be confident about it no right no, even absolutely. if you play well right. and win if i tell you win 40 games you think is that a playoff team Maybe. Maybe not. It could be. It could be. I don't think I don't think you could say no, but I definitely don't think you say, oh, yeah, we definitely in there next year. So but regardless, if you don't make the playoffs. Right. But you do have a strong season. Does everybody have an appetite to do this again? And why everybody, you know who I mean? Yeah, I do. I absolutely know what you mean. That's 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 what it comes down to. Because if there's any part of this, ah, we're still in 10th, and then, uh, James, I thought you said we'd do this. Because that happened, where there's, yeah. you said we'd do this. You said we'd be this. You said That's how Kurt Thomas gets traded with two first-round picks, not oh, for first-round picks. Okay. It's because okay. you said he'd be gone by now. Now you're bringing reality back into this. Shh.
0: <laughs> you're right we still got the same owner i totally get it i can just i can cross my fingers and close
1: my eyes and let me just do I, that I know you get it minutes. but i know i know there are a bunch of people listening to this podcast <laughs> but like you can't deny the facts of what i'm saying regardless of how you feel about me you at least have to walk away and say okay he's got a the point, reason i, I keep bringing don't. you on is because i know you get it and 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 you're not being
0: um you obviously um you know you have a way with words and so you can sound saltier than you really are but it's all facts you're not making stuff up this but, but, isn't fake news yeah, this is and, real
1: that, and that's my thing is like you don't have to like me you can still think i'm a jerk and you can hope i'm wrong and still also be intelligent enough to say he brings He's up some great right. points yeah. <laughs> not even right he brings up some strong points right well, that's it's, the, yeah you can give me that at most. Yeah. <laughs> hey look
0: what i'll give i'll give robert sarvers um is I, i've given him uh general compliments before because he's a good businessman he's not a great basketball man but he's a good businessman um he's got some guns did you see that that video he did with lindsey smith last week that dude is is jacked so working good out he, well he yeah better, the,
1: Have have ever seen the gym i think he sold has he sold that house but the gym he had at his old house i mean it was oh, yeah. it was a it was an NBA practice facility. And it was I've, heard, better than,
0: I've heard he, he had, was, he's had some players over there. Plus, he's got the all-star court, you know, the yeah. big basketball court. Too, Dave,
1: so. I'm telling you, it's better than the the Suns practice facility. The, the, <laughs> well, the place where the son's practice one. is not as nice <laughs> as the gym at his house. Except the new one's going to be freaking awesome. Oh, about time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Look, no, I don't give him any credit for holding out for 25 years to put a practice facility together. I don't. And the prices are going up to pay for his investment of his his own money. Um, Okay. Last question. I'll let you go. Thank you so much. Uh, We're running longer than I expected, but I love it. I I, I love talking to you. This is, this is fun. Um, Let's circle this back to the B and let's tie these two big threads together and circle it back a little bit. What can the players do while they're in the bubble and they're focused on things other than, you know, super teams and all that stuff and, and card games, what can the players do while they're in the bubble to make sure that we don't lose sight of this whole movement that's going on. What can they actually do? So we don't get distracted by last night's score over last night's protest.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, what Avery Bradley said the other day is, is a great first step, which is the idea that you uh, hold the ownership accountable with actual discrete steps. We need you to do this. We need you to donate this amount of money to like, mark cuban and michael jordan have we need you to have a much uh greater commitment to diversity in the businesses that you do business with like for instance some of the catering companies in the arena could there be more diversity in terms of black owned companies there uh but the 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 bigger thing i think that can be accomplished and i hope the players have this in their mind is that two years ago three years ago there's supposed to be an all-star game in charlotte and north carolina had a, a bathroom yep law that was passed Mm -hmm. that was prejudiced against transgender people and basically the NBA said look we are for tolerance we are for uh, equality of rights we're not going to have our all-star game there if you guys have this law in the books so you guys need to change it they didn't change it Adam Silver hits a button and guess what our all-star game weekend is in New Orleans Right, And and it moved and then eventually they overturned that bill they overturned that law and you know tolerance and 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 uh, appreciation for one another ruled the day in in north carolina and guess what the all-star game went back the nba adam silver used the 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 flex the power of the nba to get change done if i'm the players i said that's nice now you need to do it for for black for us yeah whether that's uh lobbying for for laws that hold rogue police officers accountable well, I mean, I, I just saw it today. Today, over three months after yeah. it happened, the one of the officers who shot Brianna Taylor in her sleep and murdered her, got fired. Now, Look, he didn't he didn't get charged. Right. he didn't get arrested. He got fired. And it only three one
0: month. And did you only. see the did you see the termination letter? They yeah. said that oh yeah, uh, not only did you fire your rounds into her through a, you know through a partition where you couldn't even see the the person you were firing at some of the rounds also went into the next apartment over yeah no i mean it was, it was and he only was, got fired and not charged
1: no part of that is even close to protocol or ah, uh, yeah he he he, you know oh, didn't follow protocol but it was kind of understandable in the situation he's at the wrong house first of all let's start there you're at the yeah. wrong house and you're just letting it fly like you can't have that much recklessness and as my buddy uh Modako, who uh, who covers Zambia as well, told me he sent me a text. He said they got rid of no knock warrant. They got no no knock warrants banned, and they named the law after Breonna Taylor. All before firing one. Guy. All before doing
0: anything with this dude, and he's still on the streets, and so are his partners.
1: And so are the his guys partners, are and, and they're getting paid, and his pension, I'm sure, is protected. And so, to me, if the NBA want, if the players want the owners and and the NBA to make a real statement, understand, that would be a nice place to start.
0: So it has to be a concerted effort with the ownership and Adam Silver involved, forcing change through the power of the NBA. Yes. But also, I think, you know, even little things like kneeling at the anthems in unison, not just a couple of people, you know,
1: doing little I don't, things. I don't, think, you don't that, think that matters. I don't think that matters. I think for the, for the reason that I think NBA players have a platform That allows them to express themselves directly to a large group of people very easily. So I always bring this up like LeBron James, if you add his Twitter and Instagram followers, he's got more than like the next 10 NFL players combined, right? It's just not close. Like for an NFL player to get your attention and not be Tom Brady, basically, he's got to do a lot, right? Which is what Colin Kaepernick did, even though he tried to do a lot without doing much, like he of the quietest, most peaceful protests are good. And people lost their mind anyway. Right. LeBron doesn't have to kneel because LeBron can just get on Instagram live and say, it. and tomorrow first things first and first take and undisputed and, and uh, around the whole, on all the yeah. shows and They'll CNN and MSNBC and Fox, every single news outlet will cover it like it's news because he's got that kind of power. And I think NBA players while not everyone is LeBron, they have some version of that power where they could kneel, and I, I don't mind if they do kneel, but they don't have to. They, they've got other ways of getting your attention. Totally. And doing it in
0: ways that have to, like you said, engenders the coverage by all the outlets because of the timing and the, and the relevancy because the games are happening, you know, and, and, and all the focus is on basically the only sport that's back in
1: the, in the U.S. right now. So, yeah.
0: So, and so I, right, I, I cool. assume
1: merchandise is going to be a big part of this Like they're going to be wearing stuff probably the whole time. Right. right. That's a that's a good
0: point as well. Yes. Okay. Um, is there anything that um, you wish I would have asked or or wanted to cover? Um, you know, as we're on these topics. Uh
1: no. I mean, you you mentioned it earlier. I just remind everybody: if you search B O M M on wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple, Google Play, whatever it is. Uh, we're there. Uh, it is me. Uh, it is Wozni, Big Waz from The Athletic, uh, Trayvon Edwards from The Athletic, um, and our buddy John Trevay, who used to work with me at ESPN. Um, we get great guests. Uh, we have great conversations. It's not just about the heavy stuff. We kind of do some, like, almost like a book club where we review movies mm-hmm. and TVs that have come out. And And, you know, I always tell people, like, it's a black show. And and a lot of our listeners are black, but, but I it's not an overtly black show. I listen to it and it's just fine. It's, I mean, it's, it's it's not that it's not overtly black show, it's that white people can learn a lot by listening. That's what I meant. It. It's
0: yeah. I mean it's obviously a black show, but I mean it's not in such a way that I'm completely like, What are they talking about? you know Well
1: and we try. We try to explain like if we're talking about something we try to slow down and explain sometimes it's because we know some of the listeners won't get it sometimes because i don't get it because i'm i'm an old guy now and those guys are all younger than me and they'll <laughs> talk about something that happened on twitter and i'm like I'm, who? what so uh definitely give it a, a listen give it a, a you know a shout out or, or a download a subscribe whatever you want to call it yep. and, and and you know feedback is always welcome absolutely and of course we can see
0: you on all the espn stuff yep. and and um Hoops i appreciate you coming is, on
1: with me oh, is the one that i hoop streams, streams is the one i'm on most regularly right now since the pandemic it's me cassidy Hubbard, and and kendrick perkins uh so it comes out every week uh, that's Wednesday.
0: fun working with uh kendrick oh, yeah. isn't
1: it he's the best yeah <laughs> love him. <clears throat> all
0: right hoop streams as well so absolutely so catch it catch i mean thank you very much for coming on i love catching up with you when i see you at the games sometimes and and I'm sure I'll sit well, whenever we go back to seeing yeah. games, I'm sure I'll run into you uh, might be with a mask on
1: at, at, the, madhouse. I've at never, the madhouse. I've never been there. What? I've never been inside it. I've been outside it for the fair, but I've never been. Inside. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, man. I used to go to games there with my dad uh, before they moved. And then um, obviously and then they had a scrimmage there one preseason a couple of few years ago and they had it as a basketball game. And I remember Jeff Hornacek was the coach at the time. He's like, I hope this place stays up the whole game. Cause that's a <laughs> lot of base being played. <laughs> <laughs> so now that the Mercury and the suns are going to be playing in there, I hope they reinforce the the foundations of that, that arena. It's been around a long time. That doesn't get that loud. <laughs> yeah, it's good though. It's good. Um, yeah. So hopefully we'll run into each other soon. Thanks a lot. I mean,
1: no problem.